There are times when we can deceive ourselves into believing we are doing good when we're not. The deceptions of sin are so subtle, aren't they? Having someone to speak into the things that we cannot see, you know, being blind to our own blindness is the worst kind of blindness, and so having someone that can speak into our blindness is a very good thing, and that is exactly what I did with Biff and Mabel, my fictional friends. And so what I've done here in this podcast and the article that I'm presenting to you is I have sketched out a mind map, built a mind map that I want you to see, and you can do that if you check out the article uh, from this podcast. But what it does is it, it unravels their tangled marriage by showing how and why Biff did not love his wife well while choosing to love his other friends more. He had twisted ruling motives of the heart. Now, that's no surprise. I have them too. This is a judgment-free space here because, uh, honestly, I understand Biff, and I trust that with that log firmly planted in your eye that you'll see some of yourself in Biff too. But nevertheless, he had twisted ruling motives of the heart. But for him, it was worse than that. He used the Bible to support his actions. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life Over Coffee podcast. I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Rick Thomas. I have an article for you and a podcast and a mind map, as I mentioned. And the title of the podcast is My Husband Does Not Love or protect me. Those are two of the more essential things that women want, wives, daughters want. They want to know that they are loved well and protected well. I mean, imagine if you were Eve and you were about to hook your wagon to Adam for the rest of your life. Wouldn't those be two important questions for you? I mean, I am going to follow you to the ends of the earth. I am submitting to you as my husband. Therefore, will you love me? Will you protect me? Those are incredibly important questions, and it is a primary responsibility of husbands to do this well. But Biff was not doing it well with Mabel. And so as I met with them in counseling, I began to sketch out a mind map if you're not familiar with mind maps, all I can tell you is just go to this particular article on the website. You can probably type in, my husband does not, or maybe you can type in, love or protect me, and this article will pop up for you, and you can look at the mind map. I probably have 30 or 40 of them on the infographic page of our website. And so I have a lot of mind maps. This is something that I have been doing for a long time. I've used this as a counseling tool for years, and it's been very helpful to help people visually see what might be going on in their lives and their marriages. Now I use infographics as well, and I have over a hundred of those on our website. And all of these resources are free, by the way. And so come into our Sanctification Center in cyberspace and take advantage of all of these resources. They are yours to use personally in your families and also in your other relationships, and I would love for you to do that. 
Our ministry is underwritten by those who support us. By the way, we had we've had a couple of new supporters, and I'm very grateful uh, for you for coming on board. John, uh, thank you so much from Georgia uh, for supporting our ministry. Uh, Fifty dollars a year. I'm very grateful that you are here, Amy. Thank you also for your donation. That is a wonderful thing. And then Diana, thank you also uh, for your annual support as well as Joyce, uh, Joyce living in Germany. Thank you so much uh, for supporting us. And then uh, one final one, Jean, thank you for your donation uh, all the way from North Carolina. Thank you for supporting us as well. You are some of the people that make this ministry happen. And I do want you to know that you are impacting lives or stated better, God is impacting lives globally because of your partnership with us in the gospel. All right, so I want to get into this article here, My Husband Does Not Love or Protect Me, and I will I will set this up by sharing uh, this account of Biff and Mabel's marriage, and then I'll roll into the mind map and explain it, and then I want to get to the heart of the matter, the, the, ruling, the true ruling motive of Biff's heart, and then I will wrap up with some questions that I have for Biff that I hope that he will take to heart and follow up with practically, practically with God, and also with a few friends who have the courage and compassion and competency to speak into his life. Biff likes to say that he is everybody's friend. I mean, everyone he meets receives a warm smile and a handshake. He is one of the most likable people you would ever want to meet, though his wife does not hold that perspective. You see, Mabel sees Biff as a part-time superficial friend. If the saying, out of sight, out of mind, ever fits anyone, it fits Biff to a T. The problem is that a marriage is not a part-time relationship. You can't do out of sight, out of mind. Your spouse has to be on your mind all the time, not necessarily in a primary way, uh, but there must be a running theme in your mind, like it, like even white noise, you could say, uh, in your mind that you want to be thinking about your, sp- your spouse. Top of mind would be the marketing term. You see, a marriage requires ongoing care, love, nourishing, cherishing. Couples should not press each other into the fabric of other relationships as though it was just another thread. Spouses are not that way. But Biff tries to do this, and Mabel struggles with their marriage. She says, he does not have my back, among a few other non-complimentary cliches. It was hard for Biff to see this when they first came to counseling. Biff would say, what's wrong with liking everyone? Doesn't the Bible say that we should love our neighbor? Those are easy to answer rhetorical questions. And if I allowed him to maintain his passive, manipulative worldview, the weight of his marriage would continue to crack at its foundations. Biff sees Mabel as a disquieted nag who needs to mature by letting him be everyone's friend, which relegates her to one of the boys' status. According to Biff's manipulating perspective, 
Mabel is the one who needs to change because he's attempting to live out the second greatest commandment. I mean, props to the God card, right? When you listen to people, we talk about this regularly in our Mastermind program, our all-online counseling program, where we want to put forth to our students that you have to not only hear the words that they say, the counselees say, but you also want to discern the heart. And there is something to me, it's not so subtle, but it might be subtle and imperceptible to some. And so you want to ask God to give you the insight to see what's not being said, to see the subtleties of deception. So when Biff says, what's wrong with liking everyone, that's like some of the slogans in our culture today. There are elements of truth to sloganeering, which is part of the strategy of the angel of light, the satanic one, the demons. If you can embed a little bit of truth in a slogan, a slogan can go a long way and it can wreak a lot of havoc. And so when Biff says, what's wrong with liking everyone? Doesn't the Bible say that we should love our neighbor? That is a passive, manipulative worldview. And so you just can't hear the words. You have to ask God to illuminate your mind to see what is not being said out loud. Biff's unhelpful friends understand the problem, and I would probably put quotation marks around understand, because what Biff does is he sets up the scenario to lead them to his prearranged conclusion. They affirm his spin on things, and they pray with Biff, asking God to change Mabel. But Biff's questions are intellectually dishonest. Sometimes a person can ask a question so that there is only one right answer. Do you feel the leading there? You may be the one answering the question, but this is actually another way of talking about gaslighting, where a person is leading you to believe something that is not true. And so my response or the question so that there was only one right response, which was the response the person was expecting, it was the response Biff was expecting, as he was guiding his superficial friends to his conclusion. Biff's queries were more staged, measured, manipulative than authentic. He designed them to lead the biblical novice to a predetermined logical answer. That's why I say we can't just hear the words that are coming out of the mouth. We have to run the string all the way from the words down to the heart and ask God to give us insight on what is really happening. He knew his questions shut down any reasonable discourse that could explore all the issues. You see, it's easy to impress the fifth graders, which is the group that Biff was manipulating and his preferred companions. Mabel could not confront his biblical logic. It was tight, and Biff had her outnumbered. Not only could he drop the God card, but he could also say, well, look at what my friends say. I mean, I took a poll. Sometimes you shouldn't take a poll of ignorant people unless you want a predetermined outcome. Mabel would go away frustrated, always knowing that something was not right. She was correct. Something was not right. Either Biff was immature and self-deceived or worse, he was manipulating the marriage to maintain his life and lifestyle the way that he wanted it. His twisted logic placed the burden of change on Mabel, which only accelerated the dysfunction in the union. 
It was hard to discern whether Biff was manipulating the situation by asking his questions the way he did or whether he was self-deceived. Now, I hoped it was unwitting ignorance. I want to think the best about Biff, but I'm also aware that none of us are as dumb as we can sometimes present ourselves to be. And so I hope that the Spirit of God would eliminate Biff and that he would submit to that conviction so heart transformation would happen and he would come alongside his wife to help restore the marriage. And though I was unsure of his motives, and we do want to recognize this, we are not omniscient. We do not know our own hearts, and so we want to move into analyzing the motivations of another person's heart with humility and courage, but with humility, because we ultimately do not know. And so I was unsure of his motives, but I believed he was telling the truth according to the dictates of his heart. His mouth and his heart were in sync. That was not the problem. I believe that he was telling the truth according to the dictates of his heart. It was the dictates of his heart that flummoxed me. I was not sure of his motives. I was confident his approach, however, would not bring biblical resolution, and it would not bring any kind of reconciliation to his marriage. And for the record, Mabel had her sins too that she needed to address, which she, in this case, readily acknowledged and wanted help to change. Now, that doesn't always happen. Usually the, well, not usually, but many times, I don't have statistics on this when I say usually, but many times when there are marriage problems, the full weight of the problems is put on one individual, and that is never, N-E-V-E-R, that is never, And that's an absolute, something that I don't like to speak in, but that is absolute. The full weight of marriage problems is never exclusively on one person. It's always on two. Now, it may be 1%, 99%. (laughs) It's more than that, but at least 1%. But the burden for change in this marriage rested on Biff first because he is God's leader in this family. The husband is the one who sets the example and leads the charge with his humility, with his repentance and holiness. Thus, we had to address the deeper issues that nobody was addressing. For example, biblical mandates do not contradict. Yeah, we indeed are to love everyone. Go, Biff, love everyone. It is also true that the Bible teaches that we should love our neighbor right again, Biff, And the Bible instructs us how Biff is to love his wife, which he was not doing well. I mean, just go to Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Biff is not to love every one of his friends this way. Love is is unidirectional as it demands an object, and so it goes uh, from the subject to the object, but the way that it rests on the object is different. And when it comes to the object of a spouse, it rests most heavily and thoroughly and comprehensively, as Paul said here, that you love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Now, Biff would agree that he was not fulfilling the Ephesians' mandate. Very good, Biff. 
But he would also say Mabel was hard to love because of her unrelenting demands that she get something more than his equitable love model. That's the best way to describe how he loved his friends. It was an equitable love model, meaning he loved everybody the same. You can't do that because everybody is not the same. Because the Bible does not contradict Something else was going on that left Biff loving everyone superficially, but not loving his wife comprehensively. This is what I was saying earlier. Biblical mandates do not contradict the mandate to love everyone and to love your wife. Well, there was a practical, functional contradiction in Biff's life. He was loving everyone superficially, but not loving his wife comprehensively, and so I began to explore this with them, hoping he would see these issues. Biff did not understand biblical priorities, which may be the best way to talk about this. It was hard for him to come to terms with how to love Mabel differently from his friends. This problem led the discussion down a different path, which finally got to the heart of the matter. Of course, I let Biff talk to get down that path. That is a wise approach that usually leads a person to where you want them to go. I talk to our students about this. Let a person talk. Eventually, they might talk themselves into a corner, and it's better for them to entrap themselves than you to try to do it. Typically in counseling, I will let a couple talk to each other, Sometimes for an extended period, this time of quiet observation from me can be invaluable from a data-gathering perspective. In many instances, I found it better to let them interact rather than impose myself between them with my questions. And so I observe how they react, how they interpret, how they understand, how they experience each other by letting them chat each other up. And this gives me more information than I would have received if I'd asked very novice questions that lets them off the hook of deeper revelations like, hey, how are you both doing? And so I let them talk. And as they communicated, I began detailing their conversation into a mind map, and that's where we get to in this podcast. And again, if you can make your way over to our website, go to the article, My Husband Does Not Love or Protect Me, and I would love for you to see, use, benefit from this mind map. I'm going to briefly describe it to you. A mind map, uh, think about lines with words and branches with words written on each branch, Uh, about a tree maybe. And so I want to describe the yellow branch and the green one and the purple one, the blue one, the red one. And then again, you can visually see this if you check out the mind map, but I will explain what this mind map is communicating. So as they were talking, I was creating different branches to show the different aspects of Bill's life. And so on the yellow branch, uh, this is about his work life. Biff has four businesses. He has his main delivery business, which primarily feeds his family. It is growing, and he is moderately successful. Biff also has another side venture that he has been poking at for years. It brings in some income. Three, Biff recently started another business with a friend who dreams of having a company. And in addition to these three things, Biff owns some properties which are low maintenance and and somewhat profitable. And so all of those are hanging out on the yellow branch. And then the green branch is Biff and Mabel and their son. They belong to a local church. And so that's the church 
branch. And then the purple branch, Mabel works part-time for Biff, part-time at a flower shop, and runs the affairs of the home. And so that speaks to what Mabel is doing. And then the blue branch, Mabel has one son, four years old, and another son is on the way. And that's the children hanging out on the blue branch. And then there's the red one. Biff plays golf with his friends. He also goes fishing with them and enjoys watching NASCAR. Props to Biff. (laughs) Much respect for those of you who like NASCAR. And he also likes attending live events. I took our son to one a few years ago. Our daughters did not want to go. I have no idea why not, but we drove up to uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and attended a NASCAR Uh, racing event, and it was a wonderful memory. Memory making is good. Now, Biff also has several other hobbies, depending on who's asking and what the, quote, guys are doing this weekend, and that's the red branch. Biff is a busy fellow with with his friends and events. And then finally, this came out while they were talking. Biff has a hard time saying no. And this is really getting at the heart of the matter. Biff is insecure. I'm going to connect this in just a moment, but I want to give you the punchline first. He's insecure, or what the Bible calls the fear of man. He likes everyone. Why? Because he wants them to love him. Biff is your classic people pleaser. You see, Biff is an insecure man who wants to be rich and famous. And that's what all those branches communicate when you get into the details of it by asking the right questions. He will tell you that he works so much to provide for his family. This cliche is another instance of intellectual dishonesty. You see, Biff is not a bold-faced liar. Because he has a somewhat biblically informed conscience, though slightly hardened, he only twists the truth to soothe his inner voice to get what he wants, which usually leaves his wife without an argument. So he's not a big, bold-faced liar, but there's this intellectual dishonesty honesty that is a theme that runs through his life. And this is what I was talking about earlier with the sloganeering in our culture is you can mix just enough truth in sloganeering that sometimes without proper insight or the right questions, you will miss what is really going on. Yes, he works hard to provide for his family in his four jobs, but he also works because he wants others to like him. There's another motivation for working. People's opinions matter to Biff too much. He craves acceptance, approval, significance, and honor. And the two main ways that he garners good favor are by receiving recognition through his business ventures and being everybody's friend. You could look at this mind map and say he is working and he's providing for his family and these business ventures, praise God. He also has hobbies and he has a few good friends, praise God, on the surface. But when you get inside his heart and inside his marriage, you see that those ventures and friends that they serve another purpose. Now, Biff agreed with my assessment, but he quickly added, I do love Mabel. I do not doubt that he loves Mabel to a degree, but Biff loves himself and his reputation more. And that was the rub. 
The problem was not necessarily that Biff had friends or had various business ventures. The problem was that his friends and his ventures were idols to him. His manner of living, according to Ephesians 4.22, was in part what escalated the dysfunction of his marriage. He worshipped reputation and having people's approval more than being a biblical leader in the home. Ironically, the one person he could not gain approval from was his wife. She was not going to stroke his approval idol, which made him angry which made her more disapproving, which made him more upset, which made her more disapproving ad nausea. God opposes the proud person, which makes Biff's problem not so much about his wife as it was a war between him and God. God is a warring army against the proud, according to James 4, 6. It was God who was opposing him more than Mabel. Biff was in a snare of his own making. He worshiped the approval and the acceptance of others more than he lived in the favor that the Father extends to individuals because of the Father's Son's death on the cross. Do you see, if you were to look at this mind map, some of you are following along as I'm doing this, but if you are, or if you in the future Do you see what is conspicuously absent from this mind map? Do you see what I don't see? It's God. God is what's conspicuously missing from the mind map. I mean, there's a courtesy nod to church. It's a God-centered, gospel-shaped way of living that permits logic and order into our lives rather than lust-filled cravings, crowded calendars, and exhausted combatants. Oh, and they are Christians too. They do go to church. There is a little branch for that in the mind map. They are involved in various functions of their local church. Being in counseling with the depth of problems that they have was not a good testimony to the effectiveness of their local church experience, but hold up. If Bill and Mabel's church life were sufficient, they would be able to engage God and each other in a way that would effectively change them. But we can't lay their problems in the lap of the church, at least not primarily. Their church life was not affecting them because Biff was not pursuing God with his whole heart. Biff's church participation was just another opportunity for others to like him. Before their marriage could change, Biff had to come to terms with the idolatry of his heart. He was not pursuing God honestly. He spends most of his time being everyone's friend while building his kingdom, his reputation, because he's feeding his approval drive. Biff needs to repent to God for worshiping gods of his own making. He needs to see his sin, take his sin seriously, and humbly repent. His pursuit of his gods, little G-O-D, had stretched his family to the breaking point and his marriage. I hoped it would become apparent as he looked at the mind map. The title of this podcast is My Husband Does Not Love or Protect Me. I want to briefly walk through 
uh, some action items for Biff. There's eight of them as I wrap up the podcast. Number one, I'm asking Biff. So let's say that you or I is Biff, and, and I'm asking this question. Biff, do you see what the problem is? Do you see your sin? Do you believe this? Do you think the fear of man ensnares you? You have to see what you need to see, or you can't put it off and renew your mind. Do you see the problem, Biff? Number two, if you answer yes, that you see the problem, will you own your sin and get with God to repent of this sin? Seeing is part of what you have to do, but it has to be more than intellectual assent. You have to fully, practically own it. If you say yes, that you see it, then will you get with God? Number three, confess, agree with God. Confess this sin to God and to your wife. Seek forgiveness from God and your wife. Confess means to agree. One, do you see the problem? Two, if you do, will you get with God and repent? Number three, will you get with your wife and ask for forgiveness? Number four, determine to fight the sin of fear of man aggressively. We have resources, by the way, that can help you do that. Number five, if you are serious and have done these things, you need to humble yourself before God and your wife and begin learning how to be a servant leader to your wife. Number six, ongoing care within the context of your small group would be an excellent choice to begin the process of mortifying the sin of insecurity and sanctifying your marriage. Now, you're probably going to have to... (laughs) exchange some pieces in your small group. You have to have the right players on the board in order to uh, have this kind of sanctification care. You can't have your normal friends, the fifth graders that you've always been trying to impress. Number seven, most of the sins involved are not amputatable. I'm talking about Matthew 5.30. You can't cut them off and be free from them. The big sins that Biff struggles with are sins of the heart. It will take more work. Finally, number eight, it would be best if you habituated yourself in the proper grace context to get the long-term care to move from these patterns that have gripped you. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.